Did you know that there's more than one way to lie? A lack of honesty can leave others in your life on uncertain ground. How do we overcome this deceptive practice, and what is the key to complete honesty? Spend the next half hour with us as we talk about five different ways we lie to each other, how lying affects our relationships, and what we can do to change it forever. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello, and welcome back to our show. We hope you had a really good week. We sure had an interesting week. Grandkids were here for the week, which was fabulous. Three grandkids. Um, But we also had an injured dog. Our great Pyrenees was in a dog fight with the dogs next door, which happened to be his siblings. (laughs) And one of them pulled his ear through the fence and chewed on it a good bit. So It was pretty gnarly. Yeah, he convalesced in the house for pretty much the whole week. But he's doing better. He's on the mend, and and he's gotten his uh, bouncy personality back. Yes, and trying to prepare for the podcast with three grandkids in the house is challenging. So we had a really great week, and we hope that you did too. We know that as we're healing from infidelity and addiction, that kind of is always underlying in the background of our lives. Even if we feel like we're living a normal life right now, it's still that undercurrent and life does go on and we have good days. And sometimes we have some days where we're struggling a little bit. And we imagine that you have those too, but we just really pray that your week was uh, full of more good than not good. And we're excited to be back with you today. We have a milestone to celebrate with this episode, don't we? We do. It's very exciting. We have reached 1,200 downloads, and we're also in 16 countries. Praise God. Which just amazes us and humbles us, and we're just so grateful that God is spreading His message through us throughout the world. If you are blessed by what you hear on our podcast, we really encourage you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That will really help us to get this out to more people. And it just gives us that sense that you're agreeing with us and that you're benefiting from what we're doing here. So thank you so much. Yes, and those reviews have been really good. And we've been very appreciative of those who are listening who give us feedback. It has been very helpful. Yes, so we're going to get into a topic today that's kind of a rough one. It's everywhere. Lies. Everybody lies. 
And it seems like as the years go by, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I just see it more and more how the world seems to just accept that people lie. Yes. It is a devastating thing to be lied to. Truthfulness is the bedrock of trust. And if those lies come into a relationship, then that bedrock starts to crumble. Yeah. And you shared with me a little earlier about the nature of a lie and my personal violations, the affairs that I had and the correlation between the two. What was that you were saying earlier? It's so devastating to find out that your spouse has had an affair with somebody else outside of the marriage. And I don't know, that's pretty much a, a betrayal that's hard to even explain the effects of or the, the emotions. When I discovered that you had been lying to me for pretty much most of our marriage, that was more devastating to me than your actual acting out, whether it was with pornography or your affairs. It's either the same or a little bit more yes. um, destructive. It just takes away every shred of trust that I had. That's hard to build back, of course. It takes time to build back trust. And I'm so grateful for you, Johnny, that you have really done such a good job of building back that trust with me by being truthful and having a track record now of truthfulness for a few years. We're going to talk about, though, the different kinds of lying. There's many ways people lie. We've put five different ways of lying in our show today. And so before we get started with that, we are going to take a moment and pray. And Johnny is going to pray for us today. Thank you, Emily. Father, we're so grateful for bringing us to this very moment where we can take the very idea of lies and the lack of truthfulness and not being honest and bring it out of the darkness and shine your light on it. So, Father, as we move through this, we pray that your message would go all around the globe and help to bring lying out of the darkness and into the light where your truth can shine on it and dispel all the lies. And we can move into a place where our yeses mean yes and our noes be no. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Johnny. So we are talking about different kinds of lies today. We have a little bit of a list here, five ways to lie. <laughs> These are the ones that we experienced in our marriage. Right. So the first one is lies by commission. That's untruthfulness. That's pretty simple, cut and dry. If you're not going to be truthful, you're lying. That leads us to number two, lies by omission. Lies by omission are intentionally leaving out important information. And that one is more common than we imagine. And we'll talk more about how that affected our marriage. Deflection is the third one. Deflection is not accepting responsibility and blaming someone else or something else. And justifying is number four. Making your actions sound right and acceptable or even noble. And number five, gaslighting. Gaslighting is the manipulation that leaves the other questioning their reality. Okay, great. So let's unpack these, starting with lies by commission. Before D-Day, which is Discovery Day, and there's also another D-Day called Disclosure Day, but usually we refer to as Discovery Day when I discovered that my husband had been unfaithful to me. Right. So Johnny, one of the examples that I remember vividly thinking back before discovery is that when I would ask you where you were, 
either through a phone call or through a text because I'm preparing dinner and I just kind of want to know what time you're coming home. So I'm like, hey, honey, where are you? Right. And you would tell me that you were at such and such a job and you really weren't there. That's right. Uh, you were somewhere else. You were acting out. So that was a uh, outright lie, right? That is correct. Untruthfulness. Right. And so that's a lie by commission. And then after Discovery Day, there was an instance, it was actually on Discovery Day, when you first told me that you had spent the night with another woman in a hotel. Yes. And that was a pretty traumatic day for me. And I was a little bit stunned and wasn't really sure how to process any of that. So you had gone back outside and you had left your phone on the side table in the den. And so I picked your phone up which was so rare because you always had your phone with you. Right. You never let me have access to your phone, which is a huge red flag, right? Right, right. But you left it, so I took that opportunity to look through your phone. I did find some text between you and another woman. So I read some of these texts and I took screenshots of them so that when you came back in and we sat down and had some more discussion about this revelation that you had given me, I asked you some direct questions about things that I had seen on those texts. And you just outright lied to me. So I was able to show you the screenshots and say, mm, sorry, that was a lie. And it was almost too hard to wrap my mind around it at that time, because that right. was really the first time that I had experienced the knowledge that you had just lied to my face. I had right. never experienced that in all of our years together, 31 years. And so it was shocking to me for me to realize that my husband had just lied to me. Right. Would it be fair to say that your solid ground was taken out from under you at that point? Yeah. I mean, it's like the wind's knocked out of me and I'm like, I, I don't even know what to think. It's like, he lied to me? How could he lie to me? We don't lie to each other. <laughs> that was just unheard of. It was foreign to me. So that was tough. That was the first time that I realized that you were not the man of integrity that I had thought you were. Yes. And so... Yeah, there are many more examples after that day, but that was the first day that I found out that you were actually a liar. And that was just, it was devastating. Lies by commission are ones just straight out untruthfulness. When you're asked a question and you give an answer and that's just factually not true, that is a lie by commission. So right. moving on, the next would be lies by omission. We had stated that it is intentionally leaving out important information. So a good example of lying by omission on my part from before D-Day, Discovery Day, would be like when you would go out of town for an extended period of time. Maybe you were gone for the day from the house or you were gone for the weekend. You know, there's always a list of things that I need to accomplish, not necessarily a list that you gave me. I just always have things to do, whether I was going to go visit somebody for ministry purposes or I was going to be at work or I had to come home and work on things around the house. Right. So then you would come home. And as is our normal routine, we sit down and we talk about what our time was like while we were away from each other. You would tell me what you did and who you saw, whatever it was you were doing, and I would do the same. Right. And I would lay out this whole long list of everything that I had done. You know, I went to work. And then when I got off work, I went to go see this person. And when I came home that next day or whatever, I worked on all these things at the house. But what I was leaving out was the time that I was acting out when I was binging on pornography or when I was 
binging on pornography and masturbating, those things I completely leave out of our conversations. Of course you did. <laughs> right. It doesn't make sense to include that stuff, right? Because you're hiding it. So that's that's exactly right. It. So a lie by omission, intentionally leaving out important information. I would dare say you would think that that information about what else I was doing was important information. Yes. But I didn't know to ask that, right? Right. And I was intentionally leaving it out. Yes. And then after D-Day, I do remember at the very beginning when you were giving me some of the details that I was asking for, you would only tell the mildest version of it, right? right. <laughs> you would you would really kind of sugarcoat it and right. tell me just the bare minimum to let me know that you've actually answered my question and you would omit most of the gory details. Right. And you did that for several months. Those kind of like built on each other, those lies of omission because later it was also re-traumatizing me to find out the actual details that you had left out. And so, Johnny, why would you omit those details? My primary purpose, as I consciously remembered, is I was doing it out of a sense of trying to protect you from the gory details. It felt noble. It felt right. I didn't want to hurt you with those details. But what I had discovered later when recovery really started setting in is I was actually protecting myself. Right. Yes. It sounded noble, right? Yeah. To protect my wife. Right. Okay. So number three is deflection. Johnny, before D-Day, you want to talk about ways that you deflected? Right. So again, deflection is not accepting responsibility and blaming someone or something else. A good case in point for me before D-Day had a lot to do with my phone. Yes. So I am what a lot of people laugh about is I'm a technophobe. I don't like technology. It freaks me out. I don't like when things change a lot and technology changes a lot and it leaves me feeling unstable and insecure. Right. And especially when I can't keep up, it also starts to make me feel inadequate and like I'm not enough. So there's a lot of anxiety that's tied up with that. So here now I have this smartphone, which I didn't even get my first smartphone until like 2012. I was a very late adopter. I work at getting my phone set up just the way that I like it. So you, you like to cut through some of the, the difficult processes and streamline them. And you would go into my phone and you would make adjustments to them without me knowing them, like predictive texting or swipe texting right. or <laughs> how my messages came in. And that actually, that made me crazy. I did not enjoy that. I don't like my phone making decisions for me, <laughs> right? Um, that you don't want I'm, it to be smarter than you. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that's just it. And again, it was tying into that, making me feel inadequate and not enough. Right. But that was always a lot of high anxiety. And I left you with a very deep impression that touching my phone was not good. Yes, that's putting it mildly, actually. I got to a point where I was terrified to ask you about your phone. Even if there were times when I maybe thought that there was something amiss, you know, I had a little feeling in my gut that something's just not right. I would be afraid to ask you to look into your phone. And I remember if there were some times when I wanted to just take your phone without you knowing it, but you were always with your phone. And so there were times when like the only time it was not with you was when you were in the shower and you would have it on the counter in the bathroom. So that wasn't really accessible there either. So, you know, I couldn't do it behind your back <laughs> and I couldn't uh, ask you for it because I was just afraid of that reaction. It wasn't that you were yelling at me. 
because you didn't yell at me through our marriage. That was not one of your things that you did. Right. But it was just that it displeased you. And I knew that and it made you very uncomfortable. And I was always wanting to protect you. And I was always wanting to make you feel the best that you could. It was my goal to serve you as your wife and make sure you were happy to my detriment. It turns out (laughs) it's just that I was just pretty naive about it. And I did allow your reactions about technology sway my thinking. And I really did think it was because of that. I had no clue it was because of something you were hiding. Yes, those feelings were valid because I did have incriminating evidence on my phone from my acting out partners, the texting, the phone calls, information that was on there. Um, The pornography. The pornography, right. You wouldn't even go in and look because you didn't want to get that reaction from me based on my technophobia. So that was, in a sense, deflection. I was blaming something else. Please don't touch my phone. I don't like it when you make adjustments to it. Right. And so by deflecting and blaming something else and not accepting responsibility for what was inside my phone, I was deflecting. Yes. And really, after D-Day, it wasn't an issue anymore because going through counseling and the recovery process and everything that we were doing, you were owning up to everything, even though you were still lying in other ways, the deflection type of lying was no longer an issue. Right. So that brings us to number four. The fourth way that we lie is by justifying, making your actions sound right and acceptable or even noble. Justifying is one of those that is particularly difficult because you go into it with good intentions. If you remember back from one of our earlier episodes, episode three, where I tell my story, at that time, through my addiction, I had a high need for attention and acceptance and admiration and approval and I needed affirmation. And so when I would go help people, whether it was through a ministry context or go to help somebody on the side of the road, I always craved that attention and the affirmation that I got from it. Why? Because everybody loves somebody who helps. So I found that that drove me to a place where I like to help. That would land me in lots of places that were sketchy, especially with those who would turn out to be my acting out partners. Uh, you know, two of them were my long clients. They just needed help around their place. They were single or divorced and they just needed help. So I did things to help them. I received those verbal affirmations. I liked the attention that I was given and they were very appreciative of the work that I did. And unfortunately, I moved that into an inappropriate realm through further conversations. As we move through into justifying, it can sound good and right and even noble It sounds like we're doing the right thing when we're in sketchy territory. And I can make it sound like, well, but I was doing it to do it this way. While you were giving me warnings about divorced women, about single women, you were giving me those warnings saying, you need to be careful. Yes, because women are vulnerable in those situations and, you know, things can happen. So I did on occasion caution you to be careful around them. Yes, you did. And rightly so. So yes, you're helping other people, Johnny. You made that a priority. And actually, it became a real problem later on in our marriage because you put a priority on others over me and our family. That need for affirmation wasn't something that you needed from me. Uh, Evidently, it was something that you needed outside of our marriage. So I would ask you questions about things. What did you do for so-and-so? What were you helping them with or whatever? And I would start to caution you about 
sharing too much information and too much time emotionally with some of these women that you were helping and yes. you would justify it by saying things like, you know, they are going through an emotional traumatic divorce and you're just trying to talk them through it and point them to Jesus and point them to scripture. And that all sounded great and noble, right? Right. <laughs> and you were doing those things. I do believe that you truly loved Jesus and you truly wanted other people to love Jesus and that you knew he was the answer to everyone's problems. Although you had this underlying thing going on that it wasn't just that you were doing that. There were other motivations in there. Is that correct? That is correct. The motivations weren't necessarily blatant, but because my mind was already taken away with the addiction to pornography and then with the first extramarital affair, that now my mind is starting to construct all kinds of things in the context of actually just innocently helping somebody do something, helping a single woman or a divorced woman, like maybe moving heavy boxes. But my mind would take it to other places where it should not be that was obviously inappropriate. But I was justifying all of that under the guise of being helpful. Why was I being helpful? Because of my high need for attention and approval and acceptance. Okay, so that's going to move us on to the uh, last of the five ways in which we lie. And this one is a big one. This one's gaslighting. Gaslighting is particularly heinous because it involves the idea of manipulation. Right. It's manipulation that leaves the other questioning the reality. Which, you know, when we look back on this type of lying, I personally don't feel like you were manipulating me on purpose. I think gaslighting intimates that it is something malicious, something that people premeditate, right? And they're going to manipulate right. someone else through these means of shifting their reality, their perception of things. I think of that movie <laughs> that we saw years ago called Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yes. And how that Rebecca de Mornay starred in it. And she was manipulating the wife of this man who she wanted to take their baby, right? And so she lost her baby. She wanted their baby. And so she manipulated this woman to think that she was doing all kinds of things that wasn't really happening. It was a terrifying movie. <laughs> and gaslighting is a terrifying thing. Yes. But I really don't feel like that was you. There were things that sort of ended up being like gaslighting. Well, yes. So by deflecting and justifying, which were my two major modes of operation, those left you feeling that your reality was in question. You didn't quite understand what was going on and somehow the situation would change. This brings us up to what we used to do whenever we had to talk about really hard things and we couldn't find time alone. We would go do car talks. Right. Sure. When the kids were still at home and I felt like there was some offense that I needed to address because I'm a clean slate kind of person. I would give a lot of grace for a while, but then I'd get to a point where it's like, okay, <laughs> enough is enough. I really need to talk to him about how this thing he's doing or saying or not doing or not saying is affecting me negatively and it offends me. And so I would want to go talk about that in private. So we'd go in the car and we'd drive over to an empty parking lot or something and we would have this talk and I would right. bring out the offense and how it made me feel. By the time we were done, you had managed to turn it completely around on me and made me feel that it was completely my fault. And I would end up apologizing to you. And then I would be left feeling like, what the heck just happened? I would be crying and apologizing, but still feeling inside that there was something not right. That you had still 
not owned up to something and I couldn't grasp really what it was by the end of it. And that was so confusing to me and it really did skew my reality. I thought one thing and I come out the other end thinking another and not really understanding what had just happened. Emily, what, what did we just touch there? Wow. <laughs> it still makes me so emotional because to me, our marriage was so good and so beautiful that these instances were like so foreign to what I believed about our marriage, about our relationship. It was something that I could not understand, although I don't remember any of the things that we talked about in detail. The feeling I remember of not being validated, of not being heard, of not um, not being a priority to you. You know, it was all about you. It was always all about you. And that was probably the worst thing in our marriage before D-Day that I had felt was wrong in our marriage. You know, there wasn't all that much wrong through my eyes, although the pornography was wrong, yes. But you would have so many amazing apologies about that, which was also kind of a gaslighting thing as well. You would have these beautiful words and these beautiful apologies and so emotional and you would just touch my heartstrings to the point that I just had to forgive you, you know, and I did and we would move on. And so the pornography issue was, was a bad thing in our marriage, but it wasn't very often in the 31 years that that came up in the later years, these car talks and the different ways that I felt you weren't hearing me or weren't seeing me. Those were the really, really painful things in our marriage. Yes. Thank you so much for allowing that emotion to come out. It means a lot. And as we can see that a decade removed from that very event or those events can still bring up a lot of pain. But it is in the past. Those are past events. And you are a changed man. I'm a changed woman. We have a brand new marriage and there is hope. Yes, there is. We are not the same. <laughs> we have really been laying on a lot of really heavy stuff. Yes. Talking about the ways that we lie and the effects of those lies on us, on each of us. Because the more I lied and the more ways that I lied moved me away from the man that I truly wanted to be. Each lie I told was another step away from the man of God that I, I set out to be, the husband that I wanted to be, the father that I tried to be. Okay, let's take a deep breath. We've been talking about a lot of really hard things. When we talk about the lies, it just brings a heaviness. But I want to put a pause in that just for a moment before we move forward into the hope. And I want to share these thoughts that we get from Scripture. This is out of the end of Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 17, out of the message translation. For if I knew the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best attentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. 
It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Christ Jesus can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Wow, that is a, that is a struggle that all humankind has, isn't it? It is. But it does definitely sound like what you were going through with your addiction, doesn't it? Yes. But we don't want to leave it there, right? We want to give the hope, which comes in the next two verses, Romans 8, 1 and 2. And this is out of the ESV version. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen. Amen. What great news. Yes. There always is hope with Jesus. There is hope for any relationship, any marriage with Jesus in the center of it, right? Yes. Surrendering to his will, not our own will, is the key. And so to recap what we talked about today, which was really, really ugly stuff, uh, five ways people lie. One, lies by commission, which is untruthfulness. Two, lies by omission, intentionally leaving out important information. Number three, deflection, not accepting responsibility and blaming someone or something else. Number four, justifying, making your actions sound right and acceptable and even noble. Number five, gaslighting, manipulation that leaves the other questioning their reality. Yes, and so there is so much information to tackle with this particular topic, and we're going to leave you here today with that recap. Next week, we're going to talk about telling the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so it's that part of the truth that we're going to look at in part two of this episode. I want to drop two words on you guys before we leave for today. Rigorous honesty. This changed our lives, didn't it, Emily? It really did. And I just want to say that the lack of honesty can leave you feeling like there is no hope. But rigorous honesty can give you a future based on truth and not lies. We're going to unpack what rigorous honesty means in part two of this episode next week. So let's close this off in prayer because I feel that with such a heavy subject, we need to go to the Father. Yes. And we need him to heal our hearts. Yes. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing us to a place where we are taking the things that are of the darkness, which are our lies. We bring them into the light, Father, so that you can show them to us and we can take a look at them. And you, in your kind, loving, merciful nature, and by your grace, you help us ease through it. You don't condemn us because of it. As your word says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would deal gently with those who are dealing with this issue and who are considering how they have told lies in their lives 
that, Lord, you would be merciful and gentle with them. Show them grace, Father, and always give them the comfort that comes from your perfect presence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for what turned out to be a very heavy conversation on the five ways we lie to each other. Come back next week as we move from hard to hope and lies to rigorous honesty, where in part two of this discussion, we will unpack the secret to complete honesty, what rigorous honesty looks like, how it gave us hope and changed our marriage. And remember, we're with you and Jesus loves you. So be gentle with yourselves this week. So until next time, Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast has encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer on our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.